Girl, listen. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Girl Listen. I'm Brittany. I'm Mishana. I'm Anna. And I'm Akiria. How y'all feeling today? What's been going on? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, been living and working. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I've been um, a little overwhelmed this week with school. Um, I had a project, not a project, but like a presentation due. I have a paper due and I had some discussions and replies due. Um, So it's it's a lot, but we getting through it. We're pushing through. Wait, when are you doing this, y'all? When am I done with school? Girl, let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> spring 2022. Spring 2022. Okay, yes. not bad. That's Girl. a year and a half. Yeah. Give me plenty of time to yeah, get yeah. my life together with my man and have my baby. Yes, I'm going to live a push, girl. Push. Right, exactly. Okay, so let's get right into it. Today we are discussing motherhood. Mommyhood, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, we can go ahead and start off a little bit and explain or start off with who's all mothers right now. So this is Anna. Um, I am a mother. Um, I have a daughter who is two year old and that is my only child. I am Nashana. I am a mother. I have a son who is four and a daughter who is eight months. And I'm Ikeria. I have three babies. Um, I have a nine year old. I have a about to be five-year-old, and I have a one-year-old. Girl, you're doing it for the culture. I know. Three kids. That's Ooh, do you want more, I carry you? No, I do not want any more. <laughs> I have my tubes tied, thank God. Okay, tubes tied. You want more? Do, no, honey. I don't have my tubes tied, and I'm afraid to have the surgery. <laughs> and Are you afraid to have the surgery? I am, because I, for one... Right now, I don't even know if they're doing a lot of elective surgeries due oh, to COVID. Yeah. For two, I just don't want to go under. For three, I felt like I pushed out two kids. So, brother, you need to do your part. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. I'm the second Yeah. I push that. Yeah. So, I that's what we on right now. For sure. For How does sure. Eric feel about it? Um, he goes back and forth. He don't want no more kids, though. But he oh, goes okay. back and forth about him. So, he got to do it, then. So, yeah. And guys, is uh, their vasectomies are reversible, yeah. so it's you way easier kids. for him to do it. Well, if you want more kids, he must want another woman because. <laughs> well, right. This one right here. What about you, Anna? You want more kids? I do. I want an entire basketball team. Oh. Um, I say that. I say that. <laughs> I say that, but realistically, I think maybe like three. If I could get four, then four would be good, but. I always wanted three because I wanted somebody else with me and my sister. But now I'm like, let me just maybe do one. Yeah, first I was going to stop at three. But then I was like, well, and I guess it depends on how we space them out. Because right now, yeah, my daughter's two. So realistically, I mean, by the time we really have another one, she'll be at least three and a half, four. So, yeah. So I'll be good if I can get, I mean, I'll be good if I can get three. But the two and three will probably be back to back. Kira, tell her about three kids. <laughs> she said, don't do it. <laughs> three is really, really hard. I get very overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. Um, especially when your husband is 
always gone at and they shouldn't even let you know he's literally always gone and when he's gone he's gone for like a year yeah or like mm-hmm. over six months yeah. so it's hard that's the really military that's military that's like right. being a single mom yeah it's pretty definitely. much it's like i'm a single mom so i'm over here freaking out about when these kids start back school like i gotta play teacher to a kindergartner oh, yeah. and a fourth grader so with a toddler, pre-toddler around. Yeah. So I don't know how this is about to go. So I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. Yeah, you just do what you can. You got it. Right, exactly. You'll be fine. Or you could just smoke crack. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not smoking no crack. <laughs> Please don't. Not the crack. Please don't smoke the crack. We don't want you strung out over there. It was just... <laughs> want some relaxation. Oh, that's funny. But Nashana, what you got for us though? Okay. Hit us with the facts. I'm a gonna, I'm a, I'm a gonna, I'm a gonna give y'all some facts, um, just about maternal mortality and postpartum as it pertains to Black women. So the maternal mortality rate in the United States it's about 26 women per 100,000 births, live births, I should say. Mm. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but anytime you're losing a woman, a woman, I should say. 26 per, you said 1,000? Yeah, 100,000. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a lot because you got to think that's 26 people, people, period. And babies who don't have their moms and men who don't have their husbands, blah, blah, blah. So, and of those deaths, black women make up the majority we are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy and childbirth than white women. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, it's that's very three to, And we're no different. It's not like we deliver right. differently than yeah. they do. Um, the worst part about the maternally, maternal mortality is that 60% of these deaths, guys, can be prevented. Mm-hmm. So that's basically... They're basically telling us that 100% of these women are dead. However... We could have saved sixty percent of them had we yeah. listened to them. Listened to them as they complained about pain or just whatever it was that they were discussing or whatever the vitals were showing, whatever the right. tests were showing, if tests were even done. So that's a WTF. You could have saved sixty percent of these women, right? But a hundred percent of them are gone. And you did it's because of your racial bias. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So nearly half half of the maternal deaths happen in the immediate postpartum period. Mm-hmm. So this brings me to an important part because people think maternal. I cannot get this word out to <laughs> save my life, guys. People think maternal mortality is just dying during labor, mm-hmm. but no, it's um, the death of a woman while pregnant or within forty two days of termination of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And when they say termination of pregnancy, it's in a sense of if your pregnancy ends by delivery or if it's voluntary abortion or spontaneous abortion. Okay. If you die anytime while pregnant mm. or 42 days after, it's considered a part of the more maternal mortality. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know they included, like, if you got an abortion and then you had a complication mm-hmm. and died, that's a part. So, the U.S. is the only industrialized nation with consistently rising maternal mortality rates. And we're supposed to be the best and the greatest. Mm -hmm. That's unacceptable. We are the only industrialized nation with consistent rising mortality um, rates. Despite the fact that we spend more per capita on health care. So, if we're spending this much money on health care, there should be no reason why we're leading the world, the industrialized world, in debt of women giving birth. 
do y'all feel like as well during y'all's pregnancies did y'all ever like encounter um or was there was there ever a, pump, a moment in time where you were with a doctor or a midwife or some type of medical professional and you felt like they weren't hearing your concerns or you thought something was wrong and they were just kind of brushing it off yes so that brings me to just a few of the facts that she stated a lot that we hear about it has a lot to do especially with preeclampsia and it's something that's so simple that can get out of hand so quickly so a little bit of background of my story i go to um the OBGYN, OBGYN that i go to um they give me a choice or gave me a choice of whether having a midwife or having the actual OBGYN there available perfectly fine with the midwife you know that's what they study that's what they do it doesn't matter to me so during the process of pregnancy you switch out different midwives um well, not switch out. You're they allow you to see different midwives so that because you don't know who's going to be on call. Mm-hmm. So because you don't know who's going to be on call, they want you to be a little bit comfortable with all of them. Um, of course, I did have my favorite one. Um, she was a Hispanic lady, but I remember towards the end of my pregnancy, um, I noticed that my blood pressure was increasing every time I would go. I mentioned it to one of the midwives, and she just kind of brushed it off. It was. Um, it started off as my normal, my normal blood pressure is 120 over 80. It was that my entire pregnancy until about the end. And that's, it started to creep up to like 135 over 90 and then 145 over 95. When it got to the 145, one, uh, 145 to 90 range, I mentioned it to the midwife and I asked her like, you know, should I be concerned right now about my blood pressure? She just kind of brushed it off and she was like, well, it could turn into preeclampsia, but you know, it's whatever. So what is, can you define preeclampsia? Preeclampsia. So preeclampsia basically is when you develop high blood pressure because, uh, or while you're pregnant. And what happens is it can be very hard to contain. It can be very detrimental to the baby, to yourself. Um, if it gets to a certain point where it's just extremely high and they take you know uh blood and everything like that if your protein levels are off and things like that they will induce you or you will have a c-section um so at that point i knew about preeclampsia there are certain things like um dizziness um seeing spots that's kind of one of the things feeling weird and of course you know other like uh stomach issues and things like that that um that you can feel or develop as oh in swelling extreme swelling so uh, the swelling which gets uh which is very edematous if i if i'm saying that correctly but yeah. basically where you swell up so bad that you can literally like pitting? press yeah, yeah pitting and things my, like that yeah mm-hmm. so if you have it like while you're pregnant that's one of the signs that um you have preeclampsia so I explained to her, I was like, okay, should I be worried? So she just kind of brushed it off and she was like, oh, well, you know, you could be preeclamptic, but it is, you know, whatever. That left me feeling very uneasy because my thing is I knew it was a simple blood, you know, it was a simple blood test. So let's go ahead. If we know that this was not normally my blood pressure walking through the door in the last couple of times, it has continued to increase. Um, and granted, like I said, it was towards the end of pregnancy. The swelling was already there. I wasn't necessarily edematous or anything like that. Uh, but you just never know. But I was uneasy about her just saying it could be preeclampsia, 
but well, we'll just though. yeah, let's just wait it out or whatever. Why do y'all think medical professionals like as a, as medical professionals like how do y'all like how why do you think that it happens that way? Um, because it, despite being me- a medical profession professional, people are who they are outside of life. Like you already have built in biases. True. Yeah. Yeah. In general, like yeah. no matter what, just because of how you're raised, when you're raised around a certain group of people, that's how they feel that's how you're going to feel and as much as you go in and you try and eliminate those biases mm-hmm. you still have them creeping in the back right. of your head for sure like I they say it. um a famous one is black people could take more pain than people you know really think that. yeah people they really think that do surgery on black people without um anesthesia like back in the yeah. you know day 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 yeah. um which is crazy Cause girl, you pinch me. I'm gonna say out like when I pinch right. you. you gonna say out. <laughs> I think another another thing. I I think when you work in the profession so long, I mean, don't please don't get me wrong. I think a lot of it has to do with yeah. Outside of the actual medical environment, you have your biases and what you believe, regardless. Yeah. But I think a lot of it also has to do with there are so many cases that walk through the door and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. that you kind of get used to. Okay. They'll be okay. Yeah. But when it comes to, especially childbirth and even if someone is questioning you. So the fact that I was questioning her and asking her, should I get a test? You're not playing, paying for this blood test. I'm paying for this blood right. test. So, so just go <laughs> let me get the blood test. So the very next time that I came, I mentioned to the next midwife, the one that I really like, and immediately she was, and even though still my blood pressure was like 145 or 90, she still was like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's just go ahead and get the blood test and let's see, you know, because it will show that your proteins are a little bit higher. Got the blood test. I was perfectly normal, but it's just a matter. It was a simple Blood test between no blood test. And imagine if I really did have preeclampsia. Right. And you did. Imagine. Yeah. Blood and I never got the test. They literally could have saved my life. Woo. And that's where the issue is. And I don't. I wish I could tell you why. Um, Other than being black. You know. But. And for me. With Austin. I didn't feel like I was listened to during my delivery. Um, wow! Really? On my plan, on my plan of the delivery, okay. I didn't want to deliver on my back. I didn't want an epidural. Um, it was a lot of things I didn't want that I end up having because when when you when you get to especially the transitioning stage in labor, when you moving from that eight centimeters to about them ten centimeters to the end, you are starting to get like delirious. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't have any uh, epidural. I didn't have any pain medication. Uh, well, actually, they did. They gave me something that kept making me throw up. And finally, I was like, "Lady, <laughs> this is not working. This is right. not. I'm in labor. You're giving me this." Was pain it like medication. morphine? Because it's something. Up. Yeah. I think it was fentanyl or oh, something. Okay. Whatever it was, girl. Next time, I'm gonna throw up on you if you give it to me. <laughs> so, um, I didn't want the epidural. My blood pressure was creeping because I was in pain, but you wouldn't let me walk. Mm. So I'm laying in his bed like, what do I do for pain? Because my, my plan was to walk it out or yeah. get in the shower. Y'all Some not type let of me movement. do it. Yes. Yeah. I'm in the hospital. That's what your body wants you to do. Yes, yes you cannot sit down and labor. So, mm. like, when you're not without an epidural, there's yeah, no way. It's, it's, well, why do we do that? Why is that? It's easier on it's them. Easier. They can monitor okay. the baby. They can monitor you. Okay, they can, okay. It's all about monitor, monitor. Yeah. However, when I delivered, y'all were at the birthing center I was not. They did not monitor me. Not, and don't not say that. They monitored me, but they <laughs> did not 
strap me to anything, honey. Okay. I was able to get in the shower. Um, Eric um, would massage my back while I was in the shower while they were filling up the tub. I did a water birth. Was um, this at there. North Side? This was not. This was at Atlanta Birth Center. It's mm-hmm. right behind Emory, and I love them, love them, love okay. them. Because I know Northside, they have a birthing center, too. But I think Northside did away with their water births, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they did. They yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this one is, they're great. You do see different midwives, because you never know who you're going to get. Yeah, huh? um, but they, I delivered on Thanksgiving, and they were ready. Like, okay, girl, just come on down. I got there. When I took my clothes off to get in the shower, and homegirl called me a goddess, and so yes. <laughs> right because that's what like, you need yeah. when you're giving birth and like I, um it was a um white woman um delivered my two white ladies the um nicole was my midwife and sandy was her um the nurse at the time i believe she's a midwife now and i never really felt unlistened to when i went there yeah i can say that i feel like they did a really good job of making me feel comfortable and i don't even think they were making me feel comfortable i think they're that's just them. comfortable in what they mm-hmm. do with whoever I think they it's a difference it between giving birth at a hospital and a birthing center. Yeah. I feel like the people that actually work at a birthing yeah. center, because even though I said, because I, <laughs> I said I wanted to give birth naturally, but um, honey, that pain was you know, but you know too what? much. My natural birth was easier than my medicated birth. My medicated Girl. birth with Austin, I felt out of control. I felt like I had no control over what they were saying. If I would say something like, I need to walk, they were like, mm-hmm. no, because your pressure's going high. Mm. Well, my pressure's getting high because I need to walk. Yeah. At the birthing center, they were for whatever. I got there. I was, laid, I was on the all fours because I had a contraction when I walked through their door. Mm-hmm. The lady got down on the floor with me, and she said, we'll wait for this contraction, and when it's over... We can crawl to the um, room or we can walk to the room. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, yeah. I'm with it. And I will say and this I'm a like, lot. Okay. Yeah, a lot of it also yeah. has to do with you really have to advocate for yourself. You really have to be able to um, say what you want. But also, picking an OBGYN and a midwife mm-hmm. is very important. If you feel any type of negativity, any type of bad vibes or anything mm-hmm. like that, switch Lee, do that because even though I did give birth at a hospital, they weren't like that. It, I, because I, I did. I, I was in labor for thirty six hours for twenty four of the thirty six hours. I did it by myself, you know, I, which I'm proud of, right. honey, because twenty four hours is a long time to be in pain. But they never made me feel like I couldn't. Yeah. So the midwife that was on call, she knew I wanted to go natural, but she and she made sure that she explained, I'm gonna you decide how you wanna move forward. So they allowed me to do everything. Um, but nobody called me a goddess or anything like that. I could've, <laughs> I could've went an extra Girl, my extra fifteen hours. And that's because I was doing that transition. <laughs> yeah, it's mental. And realistically, from what I hear and from my real understanding is a lot of giving birth naturally is mental because the pain is real. Like it's real. There is no there is nothing it's funny because when you're pregnant, especially for the first time, you always ask people like, How does it feel? How does it feel? Like, how does it feel? There is no explanation to what childbirth feels like it's it literally feels like like yeah it literally just feels feels like like child but the second time i was ready and our bodies can withstand that yeah when i yo like yo oh yeah (laughs) i was like what yes it can it definitely can um i got the epidural at eight centimeters with austin 
because I felt like, you know, at this point I couldn't advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. Eric and my mom, they, whatever. They, I'm so, they, they so funny. They love each other to death. They just chit chat and I'm like, hey, I'm in labor. Can someone like help me do this? (laughs) They like, right not right now. Right. We talking. Um, and my best friend Katrina was there as well. So she was my person. And I'm like, girl, tell them to be quiet. Everybody about to get put out now. So she was my like, regulate, regulate. But um, at eight centimeters, I t- I'm like, how much longer do y'all think this is going to be? Should I get the epidural? Eric fell asleep in the birthing class. So he was no help at the advocating part <laughs> for me. And that's I'm, important. Yes. Support during natural yes. births is, is So is I need there. to have a good partner. Girl, you need baby. to. But he was excellent yeah. the second go round. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I prepared, like, I knew what I wanted for pain. Do not call it pain. Y'all better say pressure when y'all talk about this pain for me. I need to hear pressure because pain is going to psych me out. Mm-hmm. Do not call it contraction. I need y'all to call mm-hmm. it a wave because I need to float over this mother. <laughs> right. Okay? And it helped. It helped so much. I had my playlist. Um, his sister-in-law, Sherelle, my sister, Sherelle um, was there. And she thought my playlist was going to be like... <laughs> You know, like spa music. No, you need twerking and everything. It was Janae. It was Erica Badu. Okay. I think Rihanna, at one point, she was like, no, girl, and just skip the song. (laughs) (laughs) But you do what you got to do, and I got through it. And it was quick. I got to the birthing center at 6.05. I delivered Yara at 7.30 on the dot. With Austin... Once I got the wait six oh five in a PM, like an hour, an hour and a, yeah hour and a half. So hour you so you you birthed a lot at home, but or did quick. you not? I started, feel I started feeling strong contractions maybe about two three o'clock. And they do say the second is this second is a lot yeah. is a lot faster. Well, even with Austin, I was moving through. Yeah, I was moving through, and I got that epidural. It took me was it four hours or so. To move from oh, so eight your centimeters body to ten, and I think it, too. I am a very like I'm. I will I say I'm in tune with my body. So when I started having contractions, and then maybe because it was my first child, I was just like, oh my god, these are contractions. Is this what it? So I knew, <laughs> yeah. like I like when I say the moment that yeah. like the night before, like I can even count the night before when I went to bed because I was feeling bad, but. I didn't at the time know it was contractions until maybe like six or seven o'clock that morning or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like five that morning. But yeah, thirty six hours, full thirty six hours. Carol, so. how was your birth? Did you feel listened to or because I know you had a long one with Ian. Um I it I I was so young with Ian, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have like the education. Like I didn't mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess it didn't click in my mind. Like, girl, you got to give birth. You need to research. And I, I, yeah. didn't, I had no clue. I was so young. I was 23, I think. Okay. So, because you made it seem like you was like 12 and pregnant. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was 23. So, I, I just, I don't know where my headspace was at. But um, Ian was supposed to be born. His due date was November 26th. And um, I had an Indian doctor. He was a male. He was amazing. Like, he just made me feel comfortable. He educated me on, like, certain things that I didn't know anything about. Um, and so when he did not come on my delivery date, they were like, okay, we're going to induce you. So I went in on December 5th. I didn't happen to the 7th. I, I don't know what happened, but I just labored that long, and I just – he just wasn't coming like mm-hmm. he was just so stubborn so that makes sense yeah and I just 
and I was I was trying not to like panic and freak out because me and Ian's father, we were both young. We didn't know nothing about no babies. So, um, and my mom, she just was not no help whatsoever. <laughs> like I'm like, I don't know, you know, you've done this before. I don't you know, I don't know what to expect. But I ended up having to have I got stopped at six centimeters. I couldn't move past no six centimeters. Yeah. So they were like, okay. And I think my water broke or something after they gave me like the Pitocin and all that good stuff. So I think once your water breaks, the baby can only be in mm-hmm. 24. For, I guess, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So oh, I guess I was that, reaching that, that you 24 hours. You can get infection hour. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, I had reached that 24 hour mark and they were like, all right, girl, you gonna have to, we're going to have to do an emergency C-section because nothing is happening. So question, so I was like, question, Kira, when you wasn't dilating did they like start putting you on all fours and trying to like shake your belly or try um, you in different honestly, positions I, I don't remember that was in 2010 so i don't remember honestly and that, at that point that whole, you you just didn't even realize so you probably was just like whatever y'all need to do you know yeah but i'm wondering what they did yeah you know if, i don't yeah. i don't remember to be honest like i said it was just so it, it happened it happened slow but it happened fast right yeah so i didn't know what to expect and i was just like okay whatever y'all think is best like anna said okay we just got to roll with it because i didn't know any better right. and so i was a little scared about getting cut open because mm-hmm. that's kind of major mm-hmm. to have a major procedure and you can die if you deliver on this you know right yeah on this yeah, table. For sure. i didn't know what to expect it's a major so, surgery yeah so i was just like okay whatever you whatever y'all think is best and so he i delivered him via c-section Xavier, he did not come on his due date, so I had to have another C-section because I wanted a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. I want it's called V-back. V-back. Um, and he didn't come, and I just had to have another C-section. And then with Ari, um, I was a little uneasy with the military doctors, mm-hmm. but they made me feel comfortable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit more prepared because I was like, okay, I already know I have to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I developed coleostasis and they were like, okay, we got to get you mm-hmm. and this baby out of this situation because I didn't realize how serious. What's coleostasis? Ex- yeah, what it is, is it coleostasis or? Coleostasis. coleostasis. Um, so I just Googled it. I didn't realize it had mm-hmm. something to do with my bowel flow. Mm-hmm. So if it's, a, if it's like a blockage or if it's stopped, it causes you to um, itch or um, your urine is dark or mm-hmm. like something with your stool. Mm-hmm. So which it can really have um, dangers to, to the fe- you to the and baby. the baby. Mm-hmm. And so once I developed that, they were like, okay, we got to deliver this baby like now. But I was like, no, I got to wait on my husband. He's coming from Iraq. I need y'all to just hold on, get it together. And so he finally made it. And then I think I delivered her maybe like two days later after he arrived. And yeah. <laughs> so, so my, my birthing plan was originally I wanted to give birth in the water. Mm. I thought I was a hippie, but I'm not a hippie. My body just. <laughs> body, body said no. <laughs> no my body said no. But it is crazy though. Out. Yeah. You, are, you do have these birthing plans that your body just. No, body is just like no. But let me ask you a question, Kira. Um, 
like, because with your three, because you have three C-sections, so do you, or how did you feel afterwards, like, just about your body? Like, even, like, you know, any body issues, body image issues, or with the um, scars and things like that? Like, did that affect you at all? Um, Body images, yes, because with Ian, he sat in my stomach sideways. Oh. So after I had him, that's when my doctor explained to me, hey, you know, this, what, I think at the six week postpartum checkup, he was like, hey, this is what you have. And I had never heard of it. It was called diastasis recti. And I'm like, what is that? So I had to Google it. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, so it makes sense. Because he was in my stomach a certain way, he kind of, like, destroyed my muscle tissues. Mm-hmm. And diastasis recti is basically just when your abs are, like, from the baby just basically split open. And it's Correct. common a- among a lot of pregnant women, but yes. most of the time it comes back. It comes back. back. Mm-hmm. Oh. My, yeah. So you can literally, after you give back. birth, yeah, you can literally, after give birth, do... Like, when you're exercising, kind of help it come back. But sometimes it is so severe that you actually need surgery to literally close it back. And you think because your stomach is big, you should do crunches and planks. And that makes it worse. That makes it worse, yeah. Because you're pulling them apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what exercises are good for that? Um, It's like little heel taps on your back. Like, you put your feet on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. lower your feet. Or you can slide your feet on the ground. You could do like it's that. really a lot of lower abs. Yeah, stuff. Okay. yeah. You lower want to strengthen like your legs, other muscles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Deep. So, Kira, okay. um, with that, are you contemplating surgery for the diet? Definitely contemplating surgery. Um, I'm just a little nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the floor exercises, I tried the floor exercises. And it's just not working for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's um, for mild to moderate, and yours is severe. severe. Yeah. yeah, mine is definitely severe, and I don't know if it's because of the weight of my babies or just but I don't know. It happened on end your first kid, so your second and third just exacerbated mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's a big word. Yeah, Ooh, girl, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Two snaps with a big word. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and a lot of I know a lot. I have friends that have it. Um, that even, I mean, cause it can get severe even on the very first child, mm-hmm. but a lot of, um, doctors won't do the surgery until you're done having kids. Yeah. Cause it doesn't make oh. sense. So even if you do the surgery nine times out of 10, gonna it's going to spread again yeah. to that point. And that then, yeah. So they make sure that you're done having kids before you go in and correct it. So yeah, I mean, your tubes are tied and now will yeah. be the, now will be the time. Mine is mild. You have it too? You could feel like. Oh yeah, so it's like a little poop. Yeah, it's like you could take your you fingers, can especially hole. in the beginning. You could take your fingers and put them in the middle, and you can feel. See how it just goes in. Like, yeah, if you're over here, and then watch it, it's gonna go in on you. I mean, it feels like a stomach. But it's really good. But it's really good too. Like you can feel it best right after you give birth. Okay. So after, well, maybe not right after, but after like the six week. Um, checkup, yes. like you can really feel the yeah. like. I mean, it's you're really like touching your insides. No, it's, it's no muscles. Let's try it again. 
So here's so the muscle. your muscles are protecting and keep doing what's it. on the inside. To a hole that's not my belly. That's not your belly. That's not my belly button. That's, oh, belly button. Yeah. that's why you maybe said it feels like a stomach. Maybe lay down. Huh? And she can probably. I said maybe lay down yeah. so she can probably. She feel just it. she, she just, just felt, felt it, it yeah, but yeah. she thought it was my belly button. I'm like, no, girl, belly button's below that. Yeah. <laughs> so when what happens is is after yeah a certain amount of time or whatever the case is, if you put your hand right there, you have to remember your abs are protecting all of your inside yeah. organs so when they split if you put your hand there you could feel all of your organs so you your intestines your all of that good stuff is that's what you just felt all up in they shana all of her and it good gives you stuff rounded you see how it's still round it gives you yeah. a rounded belly appearance i mean mine look like that but I <laughs> so Kira, did that cause any postpartum or do you feel like you have postpartum at all and um i do not i didn't have postpartum which I'm actually shocked that I didn't have postpartum. Um, I've always had like a positive, I tried to always have a positive outlook on childbirth because Mm -hmm. after you have a baby, your body goes through so many changes Mm -hmm. and your moods are just so up and down. For sure. Um, I never felt, I don't know, I just never had that postpartum depression outlook on life after I had my kids. So I'm actually thankful and blessed that I did not experience that because it is really, really real. Mm -hmm. And to hear stories or hear moms who experience that is just like, oh, it's so heartbreaking. Like, I just could never imagine going through that. But I'm just, again, I'm blessed that I just never went through any of that. So, Did you you have any postpartum depression? I I feel like I did, and I'm a um. That brings me to a point though, because if you do make it through childbirth, your next hurdle is postpartum, postpartum depression. Because once again, black women are twice as likely to suffer from post postpartum, and they are less likely to receive treatment for it mm. for many different reasons. A lot of times, they're not covered anymore mm-hmm. so they don't go back to the doctor or they feel like you know your family's like pray about it okay, yeah you'll get i feel fine. like mental health in general yeah. is just the, the stigma around it all yes yeah but i mean i mean damn how unappealing is that like i might die during childbirth and then there's a possibility i might have I to might fight depression right. and it's 2020 so i might have to fight corona too like that's just, right. that's just stressful right but after austin i was really sad about a lot of things like my body changed drastically for me I was like 124 pounds after Austin. While I delivered him at like 160, after him, I got back down quickly to like 140 something, but that was still like 20 pounds over my normal weight. So I couldn't fit any, I couldn't fit any, um, any of my clothes. Um, people wanted me to go out. I would like sit in my closet and cry. I would get off of work and like cry in the shower. Um, and then I had got the next one put in my arm and it just exacerbated. <laughs> my crying spells that's That's a birth control yes um and it works for a lot of people for me it just made me even more cuckoo Mm -hmm. and i shouldn't say cuckoo because you're not you're not cuckoo but not crazy but i just used to call that for myself well i think too is people have to realize after you give birth it's called immediately after you go through two weeks of very hormonal changes those two weeks are baby blues or what people call baby blues that's very very normal for every person you're gonna cry you're gonna let whatever the case is how sad are you is that where so it's not even necessarily sad so here one thing that happened to me was the very first um my daughter's very first appointment my husband went to go get his hair cut and we were gonna run late (laughs) 
So, because we were going to run late, I mean, me as a, I guess me being a doctor, I'm very respectful when it comes to being on time to my doctor's appointments and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then two, because I know they can turn you away. It might be a little bit different when it comes to a pediatrician, like a pediatric office and everything, but it was her very first checkup. And... The car seat was only in his car. He had his car. We were running late. So I was really freaking out. Like, this is my daughter's first appointment. I can't reschedule because what if something is wrong with her today? You know, she <laughs> needs to be checked out. So I went to go, like, put the car seat in the car. I couldn't figure it out, but I couldn't figure it out. Not because it was hard to figure out, but because I was just, like, flustered. And I just broke down in the car. Like, when I say cry, like, I cry. And he pulled up and he's like, what the hell is wrong right. with you? And I'm like, just get the stuff, let's go, or whatever. But after the fact, I was like, wow, I really cried about yeah. not being able to buckle up this car seat. What is happening? But again, that's the very first two weeks. After that, after the first two weeks, if you steal or like people really feel like they want to kill their child, people feel like they want to kill themselves. Well, and the thing is, it's a, not only is it the hormones, that, that's for sure. And I tell people every time, like, guy friends or any guys in the family have a baby, I make sure that they understand that do not call her crazy if she's acting crazy or if she's crying or anything like that. She just had a baby. It's a mm -hmm. lot going on in her entire body that you mm -hmm. would never be able to understand and that she, frankly, doesn't understand yeah. either. Um, so make sure you're just supportive about that. But um after the two weeks that's when you just because at that point you're not getting sleep and it's kicking in that you're not getting sleep your entire life has changed because now you have to take care of this a whole uh, another human being which you have to feed eat make sure that they're okay you know look for out look for this look for that and all that kind of stuff but that's when it starts to trickle in and i am happy that i did not have postpartum um like i don't I, i'm have, I never had thoughts of killing my child. As a matter of fact, I just wanted to be like, make sure nobody else killed my child versus that. And I never, even with my body, I don't, I never cried about anything. I think I cry more now about my breasts than when I don't cry about them. But that was the big change because I had bo big boobs before my child. So that, I mean, it wasn't a shocker that my breasts were going to be extra large after the child. I was sad way past my two weeks yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, my crying would be by myself in the closet, mm -hmm. in the shower, in the car, um, it wasn't severe. I never thought about um, killing yourself, killing, or killing a baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I might yeah. have thought about killing his daddy. But yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Never. Um, <laughs> yeah. Never thought about. It wasn't like, postpartum towards the baby. Right, it was right, you. Right. Yeah, you sir. You're gonna get it. But um, but it was past those two weeks, mm -hmm. and I probably should have said something about it. But as a psych nurse, I also knew, like, I could get through this. Mm -hmm. I had to develop mm -hmm. some type of coping skills. Mm -hmm. um, How did you cope or what did you do for coping? Or? I really started, like, to talk myself through a lot of things. Because mm -hmm. I would be irrational, just like you. Her, mm -hmm. um, her, I do have a her, but his, Austin, was my first. Austin's first appointment, we were running late. Girl, we left the baby bag. So we had, <laughs> uh, thank God I was breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So when I got there, I was able to still feed him. Yeah. Um, I had to ask the pediatrician for a diaper. For a diaper. Mm -hmm. I was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Like they probably used to this. Oh, they're very used to it. But I was embarrassed. Yeah. I'm not used yeah. to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Me and, and you're like, I'm so sorry. This is not me. I'm usually prepared for yes. everything. But when you have a, especially your first child, it's so easy to forget 
something because no, you're not, and they mess. need so much, they need so much. in the me beginning. And Eric got into a big argument before taking him to his appointment, and that's what caused me to leave the baby bag. Yeah, and then of course it's my fault that that you left the baby bag. Baby bag. Like, exactly. You know if I would have left you there, I could have got. You've been fine, right? right. <laughs> You know, yeah, but with Yara, completely different. He was in a different place, I was in a different place. Still, don't feel great about my body. That's mm. my biggest thing is body image is, is rough on me because I was always just so naturally slim yeah. without doing anything. So, it's a struggle. Yeah. And after with me breastfeeding, I don't drop, I drop my initial like 20 pounds or so, but I keep another 15 to 20 on me. And, and I guess I won't say the body image is not, I never cried about it. I mean, but Brittany knows, I guess. Yeah, it so was, it's I like, like physical tears. But yeah, but I, I still have an like, issue with and and because I, I well I battle between, girl, you had a baby, you a grown woman, mm-hmm. like right. and I never had a skinny body, like I was never skinny, so to expect to be skinny is that's just not me. But I guess it's just certain, I guess certain ways that now my fat has distributed yeah distributed yeah, yeah. that's where the problem is and i really got to do something about these boobs one day i don't i don't know they just so what were you gonna say kira i was about to say i say i lied y'all now i'm sitting here thinking about <laughs> <laughs> about birth i cried um my last day or like leaving after i had xavier i cried yeah. and the nurse looked at me she was like are you okay because yeah. I guess she felt like I was about to like just have postpartum. Really, yeah. But I don't even know why I cried. I don't know if it was yeah. I was crying because I was overwhelmed or I don't know. And this was my second child. I don't know if I was crying because I was overwhelmed or I don't know if I was crying because I was about to be doing this by myself with two kids. Okay, and my yeah. husband had to leave right. to go back to, right. I forgot which state he was in, but we were, he was in training somewhere and he could not physically be there to help me. So, and I don't have help like that. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was just like, what am I about to do? And I think I was sad a little bit with Xavier, but I got over it. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. I got over it. I think because I I knew I had to take care of these two human anyway, beings. Yeah. And it was just me and them. So I didn't have time to be sad or I didn't have time to think about like those negative things or I just didn't have time. And I think a lot of people don't know that they're going through postpartum Mm -hmm. until after the fact. Because after you have, especially the first child, and even, I mean, I would say even after every child, because it's going to be different after every child, you just are going through the motions of learning this new routine that when you do cry or you do feel sad, it's just more so of like, okay, I feel sad today. Let, let me keep moving on because I have to take care of these kids. Oh, I'm crying today. Okay, but let me move on because I still have to take care of these kids. But the biggest thing is when you are going through any type of postpartum, you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. You have to involve a lot of self-care um after first second third 50 maybe not 50 but first second third however many children you have you still want to you know if you need to read a book if you need to take a walk if you need to take a bath if you just need to sit in the bathroom by yourself for 10 20 minutes or however long you need you know don't feel like you cannot do it so question with postpartum What is the expiration date with postpartum? Because I think 
I think Xavier had to been one, and that's when I started finding myself crying in the closet and crying in the shower. So when what is the expiration for postpartum? I don't know if there's a real expiration for it, you know? Okay. Well, I think it. Well, I would. I would say it can trickle over into depression, regular depression. Regular depression right, right. You know. However, that first year in general, mm-hmm. it takes almost a year it to get back year. to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of I won't say Ooh. a lot, but I know some countries oh, yeah. give you a year off after your baby. Yeah. yeah. Because it requires that long for you to yeah. bounce back. It takes. It literally studies show that it takes nine to twelve months to get used to the new baby or your new routine or wow. but to think about yeah. it it took you it makes sense it yeah. took you 40 weeks to get there yeah the so it's gonna take the same it's gonna take you to get, yeah yeah it makes sense yeah. and then we got this trash ass system huh. yeah well you got I six had- weeks and I, i'm very thankful that being a doctor is a little different because i could I, listen i y'all got i'll give y'all 12 weeks i'm not and if i wanted to take more that i was able to do that but it sucks that here i mean you are you know how states suck as a nurse i had six weeks because i had a vaginal delivery and i had just started my job right when i got pregnant so i didn't qualify for the three months for fmla i had six weeks to get myself together eric together and that baby together to figure out how eric and that baby was going to survive until i got back home those days so i think that was part of my stress too yeah and don't get me wrong when i say i took 12 weeks i took 12 weeks unpaid and a lot of people still don't even get that because if you say a lot of, you know, companies and stuff, it's like, okay, well, after that six weeks, you need to be back at work. Yeah. So it really sucks because you need, I mean, it takes 12 weeks just to learn your baby. It tw- takes 12 weeks just to get a pumping, you know, system, system down, you know, so. Six weeks it, is inadequate. Six yeah. weeks is 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 trash. So I had to threaten him, like, if I have to bury my kid, your mom's going to have to bury her kid. So we'll both be really sad right. together. But it's a kid for a Everybody kid. will be here crying. Yes. A kid for a yes. kid. But he did it, and I commend him for that because a lot of men can. Yeah. So we'll go ahead. Um, let's go ahead and let's open up. Um, girl, listen. So you want to explain that, Nashana, so that we know what it is and how to get yes. these submissions in. Girl Listen is our advice segment of the show. So if you have any questions you want answered or need advice on anything, just ask and we'll give you our opinion. We keep all submissions completely anonymous unless you tell us otherwise, then we'll give your name. If you or anyone you know would like advice about anything, you know, literally anything. Anything, guys. Anything. We don't Career. Yes. Um love life money. sex life money um taxes anything anything we'll answer we'll give our opinions or opinion. on it yeah you can contact us via dm on instagram at girllisten.podcast or you can email us at girllisten20 at gmail.com so, so all right guys it's time to boss up for our black owned business spotlight segment and today we'd like to put you on to Georgia's Elite Mixology Services. They offer professional mobile bartenders for any event that you can dream of. You can also order Juicy Gems Popsicles and Gem Juice. To patronize them, you can call, check out Instagram at 3gems underscore LLC or visit them online at gemsmobilebar.com. <laughs> if you or anyone you know would like 
to be featured on Girl Listen, email us at girllisten20 at gmail.com. So we appreciate you guys listening, and then we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye, y'all. So if you or anyone you know are experiencing postpartum depression or any type of depression or mental illness, there is a site called Therapies for Black Girls, and they list numerous therapists, black therapists, that you can scroll through and see who you feel like is a fit and contact them and go from there. Please, please, please do not feel like you're alone in this battle because you are not. I promise you, you will have people in your corner. So contact therapyforblackgirls.com.